So how are you doing? I haven't seen you in like a week and a half. Uh, well, you know, settling back into conference or into work after the conference was a whole thing. Uh, it, it definitely felt like uh, my brain was full of ping pong balls. It's the best way to describe it. It's just like all of the experiences and nuggets and this, that, and the other thing. So um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's yeah. <laughs> like between the fact that not only are you outside your normal routine, you're probably yeah. eating less healthy, drinking more, staying up later, talking 50 times more than you talk on a normal day, all while meeting hundreds of people and ingesting a whole lot of new information about your career. I don't understand why anyone would be tired after that. It's a mystery. <laughs> and I don't even do that much of the staying up late. Like I conference is really fun and really overwhelming so like one of my self-care strategies is stay rested and uh but yeah routine disruption being away from home just like the sheer amount of stuff that's happening and then like my conference this year in particular with like being down front for the keynote and then presenting with Taha and Harveen on Intro to Tableau Public and then running the first ever Back to Biz Basics live session and then getting to do a, a Salesforce plus broadcast segment about like the community and how awesome it is and why you should be involved and then going to the Vizies and then winning a freaking Vizzy and then <laughs> Like eventually getting home to, you know, normal life that doesn't stop rolling just because you're not there. It, it, it was a really amazing, exhausting, wonderful week. And like you said, meeting all of these people. Um, it's surreal too, right? Right. Like it's yeah. surreal because you're having this really cool experience and then you go back and like everything else is still going. And uh -huh. you're like, you know, it's a. Uh, I want to tell you like how the week went, but also like I don't want to like dominate the conversation with all like the summer camp experiences I had this week right. while uh, my children are still struggling in Latin. Right. Uh, <laughs> You're like, it was so great. And they're like, yeah, bedtime didn't happen <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, no, totally. So for you, you may have been you may have been the closest proximally to the conference yourself because you're from Reno, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an eight hour drive, so I don't think I was closest. eight hour drive. That's how big yeah. Nevada is. I had no idea yeah. Nevada's that big. It's Nevada, Nevada, which I'm not from here, so I don't take it. Where personally. are you from? Uh, God, <laughs> 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 well, I'm definitely American. Um, so narrow it down. There, there are shorter and longer versions of the question that both that all stem back to my dad was in the Navy when I was a kid, and then he got out and my mom went to grad school. So the short answer that I usually tell people is that my family's in New England, which is very true, but they moved there when I started college. So it's been home base for my adult life. But uh, growing up, I went to, you know, five elementary schools, one middle school, two high schools, thankfully one college. And uh I have always hated moving and I thought I would stop doing it when I was a grown up, but I uh, bounced around a lot in my twenties too. So. I'm going to do you a favor. We're going to do some role playing right now. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be you and you're going to be me. Okay. Okay. Ask me where I'm from. Where are you from, Zach? New England. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Fair. See, I knew you were good for that. Like that went so smoothly. Right. But, but at uh, the same time, you're like, okay, but who's asking and why are they asking? What's the context? What's the audience? Do they just want the top line answer? Do they want all the details? Like you don't stop being somebody who thinks the way we do just because, you know. You know, it's like if it were be like, your accent's interesting. Can you tell me where you're from? Like that's one where like they're trying to like, are you from Wisconsin? Are you from like, you know, Florida? Like where are you from? Like I just chose like. I have no idea what a Floridian accent is like Wisconsin. That's a little more of a thing, but uh -huh. like if that's one thing where they're, they're, tr they're gently trying to feel out where you're from based on your regional accent. Um, but in this case where it's like, okay, so you're, you say you're not from Reno. So I'm like, where are you from? It's a logical follow-up question. You say new England, but like, that's interesting. You know, it's right. It's like, he's like, Zach, you don't have a thick Southern accent. And I say, don't I? Like I could just totally kill the conversation there. Or I could say, that's because I was born in Pennsylvania and I moved here when I was eight. Okay. Good yeah. tip. So this has been incredibly <laughs> awkward so far. And I mostly blame you. But to, to, be, to be fair, it was amazing seeing you when you're busy. So I had the good fortune of coincidentally sitting next to you when you won that. And you won, which is what is my favorite busy, the busy I always wanted and never achieved which is the Michael Cristiani Community Leader Award. Now it's too late for you. It is too You're late for visionary. Me. I know. It's, uh, you know, it's, okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on a second. Okay, I've got to move here. I've got to move. Like, this may not work for me, but similar to how I got my graduate degree and it was barely worth the paper it was printed on, and then the very next year they started a graduate program where if you enroll in that, you're guaranteed a job that pays you like 80 grand your first year upon completion. And I was like struggling to get by at 30 grand a year with an MBA. And I was like, can I surrender my MBA <laughs> and just re-enroll? And they're like, no. So I'm just going to put this out there. If I surrender this voluntarily, is there like, uh -huh. is there a shot that like I could go for that? I mean, or the fact that I'm doing that, like, does that automatically preclude me? Because it seems like I'm jockeying for it. I mean, I don't mm. need it that badly. Like, I just, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome. And also, like, I would be now be going for it after you have it, and that makes it even cooler. Oh, that's really sweet of you to say. I mean, definitely one of the cool parts for me of winning this award is looking at the list of all of the people who have won it before and just like, holy shit. That is like some pretty amazing individuals and definitely the folks that I looked up to and the people who like made me feel included as I was joining the community. And it's definitely low key kind of like been my goal to, to the extent of my power, make people feel welcome as they're starting to venture out into public work, the way that like little things encourage me when I was getting started. So I guess getting this nod means it's working. <laughs> it, def it definitely does. It means people are seeing you. They're seeing the passion you bring to it, the work you put in, how you engage with people, how you're welcoming and you make people feel included. I, I think it I think a sense of legacy with awards means a whole lot more than the awards themselves. And I think mm -hmm. the Vizies themselves. I mean, I've been very vocal about the fact that like. You know, my Vizies really meant as much, if not more to me than many of the other awards I've been given because they were awarded by my peers. And it's right. it's a bummer. There's only so many because there's so many more people that deserve them. And that's mm -hmm. something like I always struggle with guilt if I get anything like I'm like, well, 
you know, I'm not that great or like someone else deserved this more. Like, like, because I know me, like I know me better than all of you do. So I'm like, no, that was, <laughs> that's a, that's a fluke. But, um, I, for example, this past year I've become you know, really good friends with Kevin. Wee. like he and I talk all the time and oh, yeah. he won the busy for greatest growth. And I was going up to congratulate him. I'm like, Hey, I'm really glad you got that. Like that I I've won, I've won two Vizzies and that was the first one I won. I'm like, I know it meant the world to me when I got it. And he's like, you won this one. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, it's just really cool to see some, you know, some of the legacy. And also like everyone has people they look up to either people like that are their peer or came before them, or even people that are like newer that, you know, may not even be at sort of your skill level yet, but you see them and you see them doing something different or something interesting or unique. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's really great to be able to admire all kinds of different people and also at the same time, not feel like you need to be them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, fun fact, Kevin, we is also one of my best friends and we work together at discover. What? I, I know, I know he's the one who put my name forward for the opening right after we connected at Tableau conference last year. And I think that Michelle Freeman introduced us who is also a previous winner of this award <laughs> so you know like community builders doing what community builders do so yeah uh he's in my work chats i get to bug him about how he does all that cool stuff with figma and tableau and he built us a design system so people are like are you as good at figma as kevin and i'm like no but he made it so we can cheat he made it so homework. you don't have to be exactly and that's okay. So it's- you just mentioned two of my favorite superpowers in this past like paragraph of so like, <laughs> one of them being the super connector, like the person that puts other people together, because I think mm-hmm. that's such a valuable skill, both in terms of, you know, seeing how people could complement each other or learn from each other. Like, oh, you're really gonna like this person. Like, let me introduce you. And also the person that makes other people's lives easier, like the person that's mm-hmm. like, because I took on this technical thing, you don't have to, and now you can benefit from it. And that's what all of us sort of in any sort of tech field or even any technical field period benefits Mm -hmm. from other people that like, there's one person that worked really hard to figure something out. And then afterwards, everyone else doesn't have to do that every time. Right. Like uh, Tristan and his plugins. I'm I'm a I'm the biggest fan, like seriously, like I can't stop. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. I can't stop talking about them. Like seriously. (laughs) Like, uh, I, I'm like his flavor Flav out in front, like just being a hype man for, for yeah, his, you're his, uh, his press agent, right? Like you're his influencer, right? Oh man. Like I, I've been more vocally, um, acknowledging the fact that so much of sort of the Tableau community were, were influencers. And I'm like, it's gross. Like it's a yucky word. Um, and I don't love it. And I'm 41 also. So like, I think it's like, <laughs> I think it's stupid, like influencers, but the reality of it is we're influencers. Um, like if we're going to accept within sort of a certain realm of terminology, like, what do you do? You have a decent number of followers. You're an mm-hmm. expert or highly, uh, highly listened to about a certain arena. You might get perks mm-hmm. for that. It's like, mm-hmm. you're an influencer. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think of it more as like just being a hype person for friends and peers who are doing cool stuff. Like, uh, you know, earlier today, Aunt Holly was like, I'm 
three people away from a milestone that feels pretty big for me. And if anyone could give me a follow, and I was like, well, I can't help you out with a follow because I've been following you since I got here. But uh, anybody who doesn't follow, you know, like two-time busy, like WTF Tableau can do that, award-winning Ant Pulley. P.S. He's nice. <laughs> So, and, you know, he made it across the line and it's, he was like, oh, you know, it, this is, this is why it's so great to have like people like Elisa in the community. And I'm like, dude, make friends that are easy to brag on. Mm -hmm. And like, that's, that's the whole Tableau community. Like maybe there's some bad apples out there that I haven't met yet, but like, I think that's the secret to being able to be genuinely enthusiastic is like people are doing really amazing stuff. Um, and, you know, the flip side of that with the data fam is that, you know, as, as Ryan Ate alluded to last week, when we are less enthusiastic, we are equally as vocal. Um, yeah. It's, but uh... I think when it comes to individuals sort of being vulnerable and putting themselves out there, Everybody knows how scary that is, especially at first. So, oh yeah, I mean I, that's the thing with passion. Like passion flows both mm -hmm. ways. It's uh, mm -hmm. you can't really be like it's it, it's impossible to be super celebratory about something when it's going well, and then also not be critical of it when it's going poorly. It's like I right. I see some people that almost have fandoms like that. Like mm -hmm. there's a certain aspect of like some Star Wars fans, for example. And I like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like I grew up on Star Wars. Like I read Star Wars novels. I I have Ooh. half of a Tie Fighter in my closet that I can't find the other half to stuff like that. But <laughs> it's like um, there's like a certain Star Wars fan that just uncritically uh -huh. loves everything Star Wars, and I'm just like, I don't know if you actually love Star Wars as much as someone that can like look at it and like see mm. it for like it's it's ups and downs like yeah for sure it's like I, it's almost like a shallower version of liking something when it's just always going to be perfect and you're just like you just kind of consume more and more of it and it's like i don't know maybe that's just me or maybe it's it's me being cynical i don't know what do you think i think a couple of things came up for me when you were talking about that. One is that I agree. I think uh, that love and hate are maybe on opposite sides of one side of the coin, but on the other side of the coin is like ambivalence. So like you have a strong feeling, strong positive, strong negative um, and versus like something that you don't care about. Like, I don't know, people care really strongly about sports especially specific teams they love them they hate them there's rivalries and like so as a red sox fan <laughs> but you know like now i'm a red sox fan who lives outside the boston area so i'm i'm always gonna boo the yankees and cheer the Sox. but you know i'm not following the game day to day and i really couldn't care less about sports that i don't follow so um <laughs> uh and i had a second thought and it's gone it's all good. Um, yeah. It's funny, like you're talking about that. I feel like I was almost at that point with Tableau a few years ago. So mm -hmm. there was a sort of wilderness period, it felt like, where um, it's, you know, we'd gone through like a CEO. Mark was in as the new CEO and mm -hmm. people were kind of lukewarm at the time. It's uh, mm -hmm. it, the direction of the company overall felt super uncertain. And right. it was also sort of like COVID era. So there was a general malaise on all aspects of life. So, uh, I mean, 
That's True. what it felt like at least. Um, but I started this podcast like right before COVID. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, I started it at January, 2020. So I'd only been doing this a few months. I probably had maybe like six episodes in the can before that hit. So for mm-hmm. a while, like this was sustaining for me and it was a good opportunity to connect and talk with people that at this point, I'm like, I don't know if the world's going to end. Like, I mean, even after the initial fears of the virus went away, I'm just like, what are we doing with society right now? Like, am I ever right, going like, to see people? Like, I don't, you know. Um, <laughs> is this the last of us? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, this isn't great. So, I mean, and with uh, the, the sort of malaise with Tableau, I'm like, it doesn't feel like they're being particularly innovative. I mean, mm-hmm. I use it for work and I obviously I'm happy to use the tool, but like the the real bonus for me was the fact that it's it's been like, you know, my artistic expression outside of work and an opportunity to have conversations like this. And through that mm-hmm. period, there were times where I'm like, why am I still doing this podcast? Like, it's not that mm. I'm like anti-Tableau. It's more of like a, am, have I lost that loving feeling? You know, because I sort of <laughs> describe Tableau as like my favorite pencil. Like as someone that's doodled my entire life, it's it's been my favorite pencil. Like I have like 225 public visualizations. Like I've mm. used it a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and I probably would still use it even if I sort of lost that, the love and feeling, but, um, I wouldn't be as enthusiastic or vocal about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I favorite pencil is a great metaphor and like, I'm not a doodler, but I think that a lot of us probably have the same feeling of like Tableau is the first tool that I've ever bumped into that works the way my brain works. Like you can, you don't have to choose between art and design and storytelling. In fact, they invented a competition about combining all three. Um, Right. (laughs) So I think that, and you see that on the community too, like um, Luke, who just won for best storytelling has talked about how he feels like finding Tableau public gave him back his creative voice. Um, The first time I entered Iron Viz, was I did, you know, like it was also early in the pandemic and a lot of people picked up sourdough as a hobby. I picked up sourdough, uh, wasted a lot of flour, broke a Pyrex pie pan trying to get the perfect crust. I know. Did you put it on the stove top? What happened there? It was on the bottom shelf of the oven and I added cold water to a hot Pyrex and it shattered and it was terrible. And then the bread was, you know, also uneatable and it was, it was a disaster. The, the moral of the story was I backed off keeping anything alive, including sourdough starter, uh, other than like myself and my family, my pets. <laughs> My, my husband did the garden and, you know, like wished I had helped more with that. And I was like, I'm maxed out, dude. I can't even keep bread alive. But I got into Indian cooking <laughs> uh, because, you know, you, you still got to eat, right? Like it falls into that theme of keeping the humans alive. So I yeah. uh, just really got into like this cookbook and was amazed by all of the different combinations of spices that were new to me. And so when the theme was art, I was like, perfect culinary arts. I love this cookbook. I'd love the chance to do a deep dive. I did this huge, super deep dive. I still pull that viz up, like standing in the grocery aisle at Trader Joe's to double check, like if I have a menu that's gonna last the whole week and whether or not I need like, you know, is there garlic in this? Is there ginger in that, that kind of thing. 
Um, that so, looks a really okay. So that's your Indian Ishviz, and that was the pink and yellow one yeah. with orange too. And like you took some really bold swings on that in terms of like your color choices, because in many cases, like these colors are super vibrant and aggra- mm-hmm. it's like if you were on Food Network right now, they'd be like, you need to be really mm-hmm. careful with this ingredient because this ingredient can easily overpower your entire dish. And you were still able to put out something that was both immediately eye-catching because mm-hmm. of how vivid the colors are, but also really clear to read, which can be also tricky mm. with stuff like that. Cause I know like I've tried color combinations before when I'm sort of cycling through stuff. Cause I rarely have like a color in mind when I start somewhere, but like, so I'll sort of cycle through my colors. I'm like, Whoa, you hit one. You're like, Oh, that's way too much. Um, but I like, I, I always respect when I see someone that was able to balance something really difficult. And I think like the color choices you made were particularly tricky. Oh, thanks. Well, uh, my tip on that one is still like an artist. So I pulled colors out of the palette for the cover of the cookbook. And then uh, my favorite spice brand for sourcing Indian spices. Uh, it's called Diaspora. I'm not an influencer, but if anyone wants the best spices. And so their website also has sort of that yellow, pink and orange. So I had a design guide for how to combine them. And then I actually uh, ran that through accessibility check um, on a a tool online. And then I had one other sort of moment of kismet with that viz, which is that like I was excited about it. And I happened to have a Saturday where I was taking a break from having a young child and all of that kind of like during the pandemic and whatnot. And it was like in this one of these windows where it felt safe to like go out and have beers with friends outside very carefully and like feeling kind of nervous about it. But um, so I was so excited about what I was working on that I pulled up the viz on my phone and showed it to a friend of mine who was red, green, colorblind. Oh, and I didn't know. And the browns and greens that I had chosen, he, he was like, what's this section all about? Like, why are there bars next to the words? And I was like, they're color coded to correspond with the, then there's a let. And he's like, nope. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> like now that you mention it, it makes sense that, you know, like brown is a red, right? Basically. Um, but it it hadn't occurred to me that those would be indistinguishable. So it just sort of opened my eyes a little bit more to like color blindness and what that can really look like. And to have the experience of having somebody interested in your work and not be able to access it was also kind of like a very gentle wake up call, but a wake up call. Yeah. It's a, uh... Doc Kev Elder, who is a friend and used to work, uh, I used to work with, has full grayscale color blindness. Mm. Um, so he described uh, there was there was a college football game a few years ago where they did throwback uniforms, and mm. so there's no distinct markings on them. You know, some some teams have like you know sort of stripes or patterns, uh, and they also took the player names off the back of the jerseys. So literally, they were just unicolor jerseys with a number on the back, and he's watching the game and cannot tell one team from the other in any discernible way. <laughs> and it, it's interesting. It makes me think of sometimes you see these data viz books that, that get put out by publishers. And sometimes the publisher is one that like doesn't spring for color. And mm. it's like, how are you going to have any visuals in this when you've taken away like one of the key attributes? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I understand like it's a limitation that, you know, is, you know, in reality, some people mm -hmm. uh, deal with. And that's why it's important for us to be cognizant of it. Like I've used Color Oracle in the past, which is a cool plugin you can have where you can sort of mm -hmm. shift your entire screen to see what things would look like. Yeah. Um, there's some other apps like that and I've experimented with that, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting limitation, um, you know, with that, that book format that also can impact people in real life. I'm like, I'm actually trying to teach this and not being able to show color. Like if you're doing a heat map, like it's like, it's yeah. all gray. Like that's kind of more gray. Like I, I can't tell. So an interesting sort of uh, response story about that is when I was first learning Tableau, I was at a university and the printer that was on my desktop was an ancient laser printer and the key stakeholder that I needed to pin down. I mostly was able to do that by like waiting outside her door where she wrapped up a meeting and like walking with her to get some quick thoughts on things as she was headed to the next thing or whatever. So I had to design to grayscale because that that's how I was getting feedback. Um, and it really made me intentional about using saturation and sort of like double encoding things, just using sort of like being very minimalistic in my design choices, which was something that like I knew I needed to branch out of. And if you look at the bottom of my Tableau public portfolio, it's very sort of like spare and almost minimalistic. And one of the things I was looking to do as I was working on my portfolio was like, okay, but how would this look if it was crazy? So the Indian issues was, that was one of the things I was pushing myself on. Well, in but contrast. I do like sort of more of a use color intentionally and somewhat sparingly approach to, to design. Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, you did the, uh, we're going to get super upbeat now, but you did the school shooter data set for Makeover Monday um, that Andy and I partially got roasted over, like even putting out, um, which uh, I, I'm, you may have heard the story, may not have, but it was, I have a mentee who was interested in the data set and the mm -hmm. website that the guy, the guy who sources the data typically only gives it out upon request. And I reached mm -hmm. out to him on behalf of my mentee and said, you know, um, there's a lot of community initiatives and I noticed you have a limited selection of data visualization. If you're open to it, we could potentially get you a lot more. They're not all gonna, all gonna be great, but some of them might be, you know, helpful. And he's like, okay, like I'd be up for that. So like, mm -hmm. I talked with Andy cause I, you know, Andy and I talked a little bit and Andy's like, oh yeah, sure. Like Andy's, look, Andy's down for like any social thing you wanna do. And, and also like, <laughs> is not afraid of the heat at all. So like, if people are pissed at him, if anything, like does not matter, does not care. Like I, maybe I'm like less seasoned or more, uh, more of an empath. Like I feel, I feel feelings very strongly. So like when I'm uncomfortable or other people are uncomfortable, I feel their discomfort very strongly. So I got a lot of feedback. Like, yeah, you probably should have done like a viz for social good or something. Like, I don't know. Like it was, it was a call and like, it doesn't get much bigger than Andy and makeover Monday. So it was whether they were not, it was a stake, whatever. But like, I thought you did a really tasteful job of it. And you did strictly like grayscale about black and white. And it was all about personal stories because so often, like when there's stuff that's really tragic, like people get disconnected from the idea that there's real people wrapped up in these stories. And it is really impactful to real individuals and real families and stuff like that. And, you know, that's one of my things where I get upset, like, I, uh, Andy Cockreve and I went back and forth once there was that Iraq vit war viz where it showed fatalities mm. and they sort of did it as With like a blood, blood drip down. 
And I said it was grotesque. And he's like, I think it's really effective. And I'm like, yeah, but like those were real people. Like it's like it's I understand it's effective for showing the volume. But within that volume, it's like there's real people who like went away and never came home. And it's like to me, like like in my heart, I'm just like, oh, like it's I don't I don't know how to deal with that. And it's like it's not what I would do. And I don't like I don't know. I, I try not to speak for everyone like I shouldn't speak for everyone. I'm just me. But like I know for me, like that makes me I don't know. It makes me sad and uncomfortable. Mm hmm. I, yeah, I took a swing at that data set because I was doing a lot of feedback at that time. Um, and so as I started in like Makeover Monday, I think they were really just sort of starting back up. And I saw the first couple come out and they were similarly sort of like, let's say less sensitive to what if someone saw this who was directly impacted and it's yeah. a large enough data set and a large enough project and like uh, American gun violence is absurd, especially in schools. Like my kids starting kindergarten next year and it's just like such a different life than when I went to kindergarten. I like, I haven't started processing that yet, so we'll put it back in a box. But I was coming to this from the perspective of somebody who has a degree in public administration, who has put a lot of thought into how do we handle sensitive topics. Um, and I was in Boston the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. Ooh. I was actually a couple blocks away a couple hours before and then had had someone sort of like casually mention it as an example of a disaster it's like several years later towards the it was like a, a classroom example when i was in my mpa program so i've got you know like a pretty strong sense of empathy for like how you're impacted by this if even if you're like sort of tangentially uh related to one of these events so like is it wrong to put the data set out there? I don't think so. Um, should something that could potentially impact people be done better in kind of like an arena where there's a mechanism for thinking about what it is and how to, like, it's not a quick makeover, right? Yeah. Like it's an amazing platform to have that many people sort of take a swing at it. Um, but. I chose to take a swing at it myself because I was like, I've been like, I've been thinking about how to approach sensitive topics. I've been working with Tableau for five years now. I've been building my public profile for a while now. Like there should be an example out there of like, this isn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a lot of experience and it was really hard and took a lot of energy. So like, I'm not saying I did a good job or that, you know, like nobody should ever put out a topic like this, but like, it's, it's hard. It's and hard. I think that acknowledging that it's hard to work with sensitive topics, like if we were to assign something along these lines for back to Viz basics, I would want to do it with the prompt of like, Viz a sensitive topic. I think that's a great and, way to look at it, like under with the under the full understanding, like that you're not handling this as a standard data set. Like this is a right. special case, right? Like this, this requires right. extra sensitivity and empathy. And I think I think you did that. I 
I also took on the data set like because I felt like I needed to as someone mm -hmm. that surfaced it. And for me, like that took the form of I did a lot of exploratory digging to try to understand the mm -hmm. data and to try to under I mean, and to try to understand to find any trend in the first place. And I did find mm -hmm. some stuff that was interesting, but I made the point to say, don't draw conclusions. This understand that all data, you know, has biases. All data has flaws, including the mm -hmm. data collection, me, the reporting, everything else. And it seemed from what I was, you know, seeing that. Um, and this is just my interpretation. And I didn't spell this out explicitly. And this is getting dark, so we'll shift off of this the next. But um, a lot of violence was shifting outside, mm -hmm. and also after hours. Mm -hmm. And if I were to make an interpretation, which I did not put on there because that would be my mm -hmm. own internal bias, we've put a lot of effort into increasing school security, right? We put in metal mm -hmm. detectors, we put in police officers in schools. And much like when you harden any anything, you know, why would you take the path of most resistance? Like if you wanted right. to hurt someone, you would go for it later when they're not indoors around metal detectors and police officers. So I'm like, okay, terrible. But um, it but doesn't logical, it, but logical. Right. So yeah. having said that, so you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, it's uh, I was at work today. Erica Cheppy was saying, like, we talked a lot about murder when you, when I was on the podcast with you. I'm like, I blame you for that. Like, I don't <laughs> talk about murder regularly. My, my wife loves the murder shows like I don't I don't understand it, but like she's down. So like the, as the, as murdery as I get is John Wick. And that's like Looney Tunes violence. So. Yeah. But uh back I, to Viz Basics. So you're extraordinarily busy. So you do back to Viz Basics and <laughs> you're a tug co lead. Like, what's the deal with that? Uh, so I the the tug co lead, like those guys put up with me. I'm not really <laughs> bringing a lot other than uh, an external perspective, sort of like a connection to the broader Tableau community. And uh yeah. Um, you know, I, I show up at tugs and I'm always down for a little sort of pre and post banter, that kind of thing. Um, I started, so when I was just starting to sort of like explore the world of Tableau, that's bigger than me all by myself, uh, building all of the dashboards for my one little business unit at the university with like, I will shout out to the data folks who built me my data sources. They're amazing, but uh, it, it was pretty lonely. You know, I was definitely a lone ranger. And so, but we were getting enough stuff and I was connected with other professional communities and the advancement tug was just getting going. And I was like, yeah, I've got a presentation that I just did at APRA, the Association of Prospect Researchers Association, I guess. They just go by APRA now. And so I was like, yeah, I've got to talk. And I, yes, I would like to talk about my dashboards to other people who also like dashboards. And they were like, great, we'll have you. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so I show up at this meeting that I think is like me giving a dry run or some sort of preview of my content or like a session planning. They start talking about what's, what's the next date of the tug and, oh, Elisa, are you, are you free that day? And I'm like, yeah, but like, why do you care? They're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, so we'd like you to join our leadership team. And I was like, oh, uh, what do you have to do? 
because I had previously attempted to start a tug in Reno and was all by myself and not super in motivated to do all of the things that you need to start a tug like it, it was a good idea but i was doing it for the resume right so i was like well what do you need to do and i was like they were like well we need somebody to come up with a, a, a trivia question and or maybe run the raffle and if you could help us with pr on social media and i was like yeah no problem i can make some linkedin posts and show up everywhere so and then I moved out of advancement and into financial services. And I, I've actually just had this conversation with Ron Einstein, who is also a Tableau user group ambassador now. Um, and so we bumped into each other, actually met in person for the first time at conference, one of those, you know, hundreds we were referencing earlier. And I was like, you guys should really kick me out. <laughs> and he was like, we'll have you for as long as it works. And I was like, I, every, every month I look at this meeting and I'm like, I should really, I should step down. I should relinquish my post to somebody who's, you know, still in, still in that industry and that kind of thing. And he's like, listen, we'll have you for as long as you'll have us. And I was like, that, that's amazing because like, you know, the thing about running a tug and meeting up with other leaders is that they can, they get to be your friends. Like these are some folks who were with me through my career transition. And, you know, like we all, you know, there's some of like, okay, who's going to be the speaker next time? And how did that go? And, oh, we're all moving to Bevy and is our audience going to come with us? And all those things that you, you know, like sort of the, the business of, of, running a thing um, but then there's you know professional collegiality and chit chat and conversations kind of like a little support group um, so if you're if you're thinking about a, starting a tug don't do it by yourself no <laughs> find find at least one friend ideally two um, minimum and, three yeah. realistically like yeah. because not everyone's going to be available all the time like yeah. I was a tug leader for about a year and a half until COVID killed the Memphis tug, pour one out. Mm -hmm. Like we went out on the highest note. We had Anna Ford and Steve Wexler coming to town and that was like two weeks before COVID. So mm -hmm. like it was a blowout. Uh, 20 people came. Um, Amazing. Not commensurate with the talent that we had imported, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> not bad for an in-person tug though, right? I'm in I person actually, tugs I have no idea. Like, so, okay. <laughs> so Memphis tug, like 20 was pretty great. Like, I think we got mm -hmm. 40 one time. Uh, I've attended one other tug that was not my own. Oh, no, two. I'm sorry. <laughs> I take it back. I, I spoke at the New York tug and that was like 60 to 80 people. That was pretty big. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I was at the Twin Cities tug and that was pretty solid too. That was also like 60 people. So all I know is my tug was, was a fledgling tug and mm. um, I don't. I'm not up to to starting it up again. I just don't have it. And the London one looks like it's almost a mini TC every once in a while. Yeah, but it's England. Like the entire state is within like three and a half <laughs> hours of that city. Like, I mean, when I say state, I mean country. Like it's, I mean, the Nashville tug is three hours from my doorstep and it's in the same state. You drove eight hours to Las Vegas from oh. Reno. Point of clarification, I flew direct and okay. it was less than two hours to like leave my doorstep to check like in into my room at the hotel. That's wild. I flew direct yeah. and it was a two and a half to three hour flight. Oh, three and a half hour flight. 
Um, and yeah, it took the better part of an afternoon. But like, it there's was, not it was even direct. enough time for better service, beverage service. <laughs> I, I flew Spirit, so there Vegas. was no beverage service. They're like, you know, just be glad we're not gouging you for the air. Right. <laughs> if we could figure out a way to charge you for that, we damn well would. That's that's like a Ryanair move. Like you're you're in Europe. Like this flight costs 24, 24 euros, and you're like, how? And they're like, there's no floors. Like, hang on. <laughs> uh, I, I saw an airline design sketch once where they were looking at like semi standing seats. Yep, that was Ryanair. And I'm like, ugh. You know, honestly, I'd almost take that um, because you get those situations where like, I don't usually put my seat back just because when the person in front of you puts their seat back, you're like, how is there no room left? And I realize like I'm doing that to someone else. And I'm like, I'll just look, I'm going to be miserable here no matter what. Like, it's not mm -hmm. even the fact like people are like, why do you hate flying? Are you scared? I'm like, I'm not scared in the least bit. Like that plane could go into a mountain and I would die happy. Um, I actually, I'd be happier and than quickly, being on the plane. It's we're more back the on fact, murder, Zach. Like I'm in this. It's, this isn't murder. <laughs> this is catastrophe. Uh, okay. And I'm not wishing for anyone else's doom. Even if I'm on the plane by myself, it's still better than being on the plane. It's like you're in the sea of humanity. Like the seats always suck. Like you're kind of trying to watch something, and you're like, you know, this is the most compromised experience I've had in my life. And the fact that like I'm so routinely patted down by airport security. Like, I think I'm there strictly so they can say they're not profiling. Like, mm. I mean, it, it's to the point where and I, I now I have TSA pre-check, which is great, except for the fact that it still doesn't matter. So in Las Vegas, like, take mm. off your shoes, take off your belts. But I'm like, but I have pre-check. We don't care. And I'm like, then why did I do this? Mm. It's more so that you can thing. leave your laptop inside your bag. It's it's such a little. OK, it's I it's love like, pre-check. <laughs> It's less that they have crazy rules. It's more that the crazy rules are inconsistent. That's mm -hmm. what makes me nuts. Like if the crazy rules were like, you always take off your belt and shoes. Like I can understand, but it's the fact that like every eighth time, like you can leave them on. It's like, that's, that's hell. Like, it's not the <laughs> fact that you do it every time. It's that every it's now that and then they let you off. Yeah, it's like, so you don't know what's coming. And then if like, if you didn't do it, they're like, why didn't you do it? You're like, I thought we didn't have to anymore. It's like, no, you always do unless you don't. Uh-huh. This is, this has gotten really deep for me. Like we're, we're like, you're, you're scooping, you're scooping stuff out of me. Like that, <laughs> that I didn't know was here. Like this is, I I'm sad for me now. So you're a mad alumni. Did you go to Howard university? I did not go to Howard University. How, I, how then? Uh, so Chantilly runs an online version of um, MAD that's aimed at professionals. You don't have to be a student. Uh, so the story is that I, I had a moment in my old job where I knew it was time to look for the next one. And I don't even know how I saw it, but I saw that like MAD was starting that night. And I knew that I needed some sort of structure to build a Tableau public profile. And I knew that uh, that Chantelle's was amazing. Yeah. And I had gone to one of her talks. I went to a TC in person pre-COVID, one of the, like the, the huge one in Vegas, like felt like a rock concert. It was awesome. And 
it was really overwhelming because I was pretty new to the product and I didn't have any of the hype and everyone was running around being like data fam. And I'm like, you understand you were the people up in the bleachers that don't cheer. Yeah. And like, you know, it was dark and there was a band on stage and people were like, rah, rah, rah. And you're like, you understand this is a work conference and it's 10 o'clock in the morning. And then like how the tables have turned. But like for anyone who has listened this far into our conversation, thank you, by the way. Thank you. Um, thank you. But like data fam wasn't a thing that felt comfortable to me at first. I was like, y'all aren't my family. And like We're it's not. kind of weird that you call each other that. It's except a name. that like except that like as I've become more part of the community, I think to a lot of us you become good friends with people. And since there's this element of vulnerability and like getting into what you're into and visiting it and putting it out there, like you, we know each other in a fairly authentic way. And especially people who are drawn, drawn to like sharing work in public, you know, I thought I was building a portfolio to get a new job, but it turns out that like I got a new life, right? New friends, a new way of expressing myself, like, a new job, yeah, but like one that was built on them sort of like knowing who I was and what I was bringing to the table in a much deeper way than you could do in any interview process, right? So it's like taking that risk to put yourself out there and trust that somebody's gonna actually like that. And I think that that's sort of a like, like you said, in, in one way, it's your favorite pencil, right? Yeah. But uh, it's it's also a supportive community that comes close to being kind of a chosen family. So, like, I know it gets accused of being a cult, and people are like, uh, you know, you're you're really into this software product. I'm like, no, I'm really into like the the people who are also sort of like creating and sharing parts of themselves. And yeah, it's cool that we can also pay the bills with this skill set, right? Like, don't get me wrong. That's amazing. Um, I mean, it's figuring less of a cult out the business puzzles. Truth. And we don't get Rabdo, so. <laughs> no. But I. <laughs> that was incredibly genuine and authentic. And after me, uh, <laughs> not daydreaming about going into the side of a mountain in an airplane to get off of it. <laughs> um, I I appreciate you bringing this back to that that place of positivity. I too had a similar experience, but I think for me in the beginning, I hadn't figured that out. So I liked mm -hmm. making the stuff, and I was drawn to that, and I knew the community was there, and I liked meeting people, but I wasn't being sort of more authentically me in the beginning because mm -hmm. I sort of felt like maybe that's not what you're supposed to do, like. Right? You know, it's like, oh, well, this is sort of like a work kind of thing. And even if we're right. doing fun topics like, you know, you need to like have that sort of persona or Veneer. whatever. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, when I just decided I was going to do my weird niche topics and let people know just how quirky I am. I mean, yeah. I, I had people call me weird my whole life, so I'm kind of used Same. to that. So when I started you know, choosing more offbeat topics or offbeat ways of visualizing them. I was like, you know, I'm going to take a chance and do what makes me happy. And if it doesn't really resonate with anyone, that's okay. Because this is just kind of what I want to do. 
Um, and some people really like it. And that, you know, was really, um, that meant a lot to me in the sense that like, okay, so I'm, I'm being authentically me. I'm, I'm sort of letting down some of those barriers. I'm doing this podcast. I really shoot from the hip a lot. Like, uh, the fact that Salesforce <laughs> and uh, Ryan Ate uh, did not ask for any edits or uh, approvals or anything and just kind of trusted me kind of blows me away because I've been known to say wacky things. I mean, look, I'm 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 firmly PG-13, uh, but like, uh, yeah, it's I get I, I really resonate with what you're saying there. That's that's what I'm trying to say, like uh, different paths to the same place. And that place is both being fully you and being sort of fully you know showing your skills and it's like it you know just because you're doing something that is also applicable to your work doesn't mean you have to be like a different person right like you can take off the suit um yeah. not that we wear suits in data viz anyway at least not when we can help it most My of us unless you at at on it right now so <laughs> uh throwing back to that star wars theme um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I see the cracks yeah. and it's okay. Uh, but I guess what I was going to say is, yeah, I also felt as I was starting to build my profile that like I had to be sort of professional, serious and, you know, like, and is this good enough? And am I really sort of showing off my skills to this? Or, but like, once you've got that foundation of like those couple visits out there that show that you can be serious when the situation calls for it. Like my favorite visits that I, from that period in my life, like I did a back to Viz basics KPIs that were inspired by, I was reading Justina Blakeney's Jungalo, which is this like kind of crazy maximalist design book. That's all about how like you should have plants all over your house and, you know, paint your walls, bright colors if it makes you happy and embrace color and embrace pattern and uh you know like you know, anybody listening can't see but the wall behind me is teal <laughs> like that was inspired by that era of like yeah live out loud that has that sort um, of like loud art decoy kind of font across the top right yeah yeah it yeah. does and, and so I, I was like that's great what would what would kpis look like if you were presenting them to Justina Blakeney, you know, yeah. um, and then there was a data plus music after that, that was like, that ever you did one, I think yours yeah. might've inspired mine where we were like visiting middies and not trying to get any insights out of them. Just like make it look cool. Yeah. What and if I this did, was just fun? What if this was just fun? So I like visit the Mario theme song because I couldn't, figure out how to turn uh the the song that i wanted to do from encanto the midi was way too complicated because lynn manuel miranda is a genius so i was like okay what's something that would be easy mario's theme song <laughs> like they had some serious design constraints on that back in the day so that exactly. one worked and i was like you know i'm gonna pull the colors out of it and then i was like okay how could I actually make this fun? And I put Mario like jumping through his theme song and putting some like squish Koopas and, and just like had a great time with it. And people loved it. Like that was the sort of like one of the first visits where I was getting some interaction and feedback with more established data fan people on Twitter. And then I was also taking an illustrator class and I wanted to like 
one, open up R for a second time in my life. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I didn't come from the coding background. Like, I'm still working on my SQL. And I know that there's a lot of complicated stuff that you could do. But I'm more drawn towards the sort of, like, solving the business problem side of the house than solving the, like, data problem side of the house kind of naturally. And really love the design part too. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do the Witcher theme song, <laughs> you know, because if we were getting together virtually with friends to do board games, you know, it was a pandemic. And uh, my Witcher viz got picked up by uh, Jennifer Dawes and Danushki de la Vera on her data as like a viz that had really caught their eye out of that collaboration. And it was just like you said, really fun to be like out there and like seen and affirmed for like the fun stuff yeah and you know kind of to your point i think the instinct that we have to hold back in our work prevents people from actually knowing us so even if people like your work you're like oh yeah yeah that's nice but like when you put something out there that's coming from a deeper part of your personality and people like it, you're like, oh, people like me. Like people are responding well to this thing that means a lot to me. So exactly, like there's a, a deeper level of connection that's possible because you're putting yourself out there more genuinely. I I think so. And I think like you're you're taking a risk, right? Like you're being yeah. emotion you're being vulnerable. Like it's you're being emotionally vulnerable in the sense that you're putting yourself into this thing in a way that you wouldn't like, you know, a business dashboard at work, right? Like at a business dashboard at work, like if you get some feedback on it, you know, you can understand like maybe there's a part of it that you were really liked or worked really hard on, um, and you're gonna feel something, but you're not gonna feel it in the same way as something that was like really personal to you. Like right. this was an this was like an expression of me. And you're your feet you feel like you're at greater risk by putting it out there. Um, mm -hmm. but it's that much easier, like when you've done that, if someone you know, responds to it, it it like Look, there's always going to be people that don't get it or sometimes people throw shade. Really, the people that throw shade at this online are going to be few and far between because yeah, they, they're not involved in this. They don't know it exists. So they don't know who you are nor care unless I mean, you, if post you want to put it out there on Reddit or that's something that's what I was going like to say. If you, if you if you want to get shade, put it on Reddit and you'll have 10,000 people telling you how no, much you suck. Not. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's not beautiful. The people of information is beautiful. <laughs> they are really like I had a guy hunt me down on Twitter like he he sent me a message on Reddit and like I didn't see it or respond. So he hunted me down on Twitter to tell me that I sucked. Like I was like, dude, like how sad is your life that you like came after me? Like what? <laughs> like you needed that? Like that was what was missing today? Like right? I, I'm just like I had someone come at me like I, it's so rare that I get get stuff like that. But I, I don't I'm sorry I'm diverging. But like I had some like Power BI people recently that like, oh, man, you're saying like Power BI sucks or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't I never said Power BI sucks. Like I I I literally shared a video mm -hmm. of Power BI experts that have a podcast that gets like tens of thousands of views. And the question was, how do you learn DAX easily? And they started talking about, oh, well, you have to read this book first. And then you read all of this book. You're like, oh, wait, 
I said easily. And then they just laugh. I'm like, you don't. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) that was from the experts. I understand my take. No, I understand. Like, you know, all the new features are coming on everything. And it's great. Like, look, I don't hate Power BI. I don't care. Like if if I had to use Power BI at work, I would have to learn it. I would be kind of sad that I had to start over. But mm-hmm. I would still almost certainly use Tableau for my personal projects because it's so much easier. I haven't touched Tower Power BI. Like I know that it's out there as somebody who's like, I don't know if I'll need to learn it at some point in my career to improve versatility. And I know there's a lot of people who are sort of hedging their bets or exploring that as an option. Um, I think it's okay to have some skills be hard to learn. Like, yeah, that's okay. Uh, and honestly, it's job security. Like <laughs> you want a certain level of easiness, but I, th- I think that's a little bit of what's scary about uh, Pulse, honestly, is like, well, if people have all the metrics, then why do they need the dashboards for? And then there's another part of me that's like, well, they would still need context and they would still need trust. And like, there's going to be a role in sort of uh, bridging the gap between the information that's available and the decisions that people feel comfortable making based upon it. Um, whether and there's or not all that's... the ETL required to even make it happen in the first place. Like exactly. There's a whole other stuff happening. I've been using chat GPT and I've been using it as an assistant. It's not, <laughs> it's clearly like I throw stuff at it and it, it gives me like, I have to go through like six iterations to get to something that actually works. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's going to get better, but you still have to know what to ask it correctly. And mm-hmm. honestly, I've worked with enough sort of business people in various contexts that like if I stopped making the stuff and I became that person instead, I would still be just as successful. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that. Like it's knowing the correct questions to ask, knowing yeah. how to navigate that stuff is at least as important as knowing how to make it. Like if knowing how to make it gets easier, that just means something else got harder. And that's the thing you have to think about now. Or we have something else that we can spend more time doing a better job on. Like if I didn't have to triple check every single freaking tooltip, I don't just turn them off. I think they're super valuable, especially with like users that you don't even know are going to use the dashboard yet because you can use them as is such a like a speed boost to understanding, like, even if you're just putting in a sentence, what that mark means, it can be really intuitive. And then when you start drilling down like Sam and Simon, <laughs> which if you guys missed Sam and Simon, the recording of the analytics tug is gonna be up and they just like, absolutely, they didn't drop the mic, they smashed it on the floor with their Vizin tooltip KPI card. Like I've made whole dashboards that weren't as insightful as that KPI tooltip. When I saw that in the presentation <laughs> at the conference, like I was sitting on the front row and I'm just watching Sam and I'm just like, how are we the same species? Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> like, how did you even think of this? How did you do this? It even has like a gradient. And I'm like, right? it's like the more I think Map about layers. it, it's like a, an Amadeus when Salieri sees Mozart and it's just like, it's just like a shot. Like, how's he? How is he so good? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and it's like, that's what it was like for me. But it's like in a good way, in the sense that, exactly. like, oh, my gosh, like, I love that he thought of this. Or they had a marginal brushing, which was the other thing they had, mm. where um, instead of when you click on something and it automatically like, filters your histogram, mm-hmm. instead, it shows the partition of that that belongs to the thing mm-hmm. that you're filtering on. So not only can you compare it, but you have context. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how did we never think of it? You know, it's just. 
You know, those, yeah. those sort of like moments that you love. Like the, the relative scale as well as part to whole and not losing sight of that. Yeah, that it was one of my key takeaways too, yeah. especially because like when you're trying to understand a trend, but you might end up in a like a very small subset of your overall analysis population, being able to keep your eye on like, okay, this is a like a thing is happening, but does it matter, right? Exactly. Or like, how how worried should we be over it? Is this like, oh, check on in again it, check in again on it tomorrow, or is this like stay late and figure out what's happening, right? Um, yeah. Something like is simple as proportional brushing and sets are really cool uh i hadn't played around much with them before this year but now that i visit for work full time i have uh <laughs> more of an opportunity to be like so i know this is possible and i think it would help with the solution design and um and sometimes i get sign off to go try my crazy idea and sometimes it's like well Okay, that's great, but like this this one doesn't need to be a big project, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Knock it out, take the win, and move on. So it's, it's funny, like I I suck at sets. Like there have always been a weakness of mine. I need to work on it. Most of my big ideas and big swings are almost always low tech creative solutions. So hmm. I've been implementing a lot of overlays. Yeah, um, basically using transparent PNGs where I'm able to craft really artistic, you know. And having them on by default, because mm -hmm. particularly where I work, sometimes leadership turns over on an account. Sometimes new people mm -hmm. come on, they're unfamiliar with it, and they wade their way into a dashboard that they don't really understand. No one told mm -hmm. them about it. And mm -hmm. it's like, here's where this is. This is what this does. Yeah. That's what this means and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Now close this and go forth, you know, rather than exactly. just start making assumptions. I also have something else that I'm not going to talk about that I may be presenting at, hopefully I'll pitch it at next year's Tableau conference, but something to give uh, insight into what's going on in your data. Um, that's mm. actually not a super high tech solution, but more of a different way of looking at stuff. But yeah, I, I get excited by stuff like that too. Like it's people like Sam and Simon, they, they look at stuff in an entirely different way than me. Right. I just love that. There's all these different perspectives that everyone brings to the table. Right. I love that they're out there like them, Brian Moore. Uh, they're like, there's some amazing folks in the Tableau community who are really sort of like pushing the boundaries, uh, the flare lodges, obviously. Yeah with like what's possible with the tool and i think of them as kind of the pioneers and then the rest of us just kind of like get to draft off of their awesomeness that's great uh Happy know, like, to. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back to like it you know like it's all about building like we're gonna need a bigger boat right like yep. they're they're expanding what's possible and then on the flip side of things like people who are brand new to the tool who might be intimidated by that they're like earlier in their journeys and that kind of thing like tableau and data visualization is still a young enough career field that none of us who are established in it did this on purpose and like we're all making it up as we go like this in tooltips was brand new it was announced at the first conference that i went to it I like hounded our server admins for several months because I really freaking wanted that functionality um, because I knew I could answer at least the first follow-up question just baked in. I, I take the dashboard back to my end user and they're gonna be like, okay, there's a whole bunch of dots on the map, but who lives there? And I'm like, ooh, I can show you. 
because you know like they were fundraisers they were trying to like put together a pitch to their dean in their heads of like why they should get the travel budget to haul out to Timbuktu and they'll be like oh well we gotta go visit Sally H like the end and so that saved them so uh I get off topic it's all good <laughs> um but I think that like what I was trying to say is that when you're coming in with fresh eyes you have that enthusiasm and the curiosity and it's really easy to get intimidated by all of the crazy work that people are putting out there um like i see that in back to viz basics every once in a while people will be like this is back to viz not very basic <laughs> like you know some people like sam epley use it as batting practice basically to sit down and just knock out a whole bunch of really amazing stuff but there is like i don't know 500th thousandth tableau public visits and if you're at an intermediate level it's fun to take a narrow challenge and like really drill down on it and knock it out of the park like kevin we did that with his dynamic zone visibility uh box plot but i also kind of teed him up for that because you guys might or might not know he has a phd in chemistry before he scrapped it all to go be an analyst so i knew that asking him about the pros and cons of box and whisker plots was likely to pique his curiosity um and he just like took it out of the park but then there are other people like at the live session who are downloading tableau public for the first time making their first viz like genuinely still confused about like you know i think i take the hack for granted if you can just pop in a percentage suffix and you don't actually have to change it to a percent as far as tableau is concerned to display something that looks like a percent on a bar chart but like that's actually not it super like that's a hack that i learned at some point along the way from someone um but then people who are newer to the project and just like taking these really creative swings of things or like growing like anybody who commits to practicing a skill in a thoughtful way on a regular basis grows so much and like you look through some of the regular participants portfolios and you, like one of my favorite things to do is scroll down on anyone's tableau public portfolio because you can see how their skills have grown how their interests have evolved and like you know i like to watch uh like design competition shows like uh next in fashion and whatever that thing is on prime or like the great british bake-off and that kind Love of it. thing and and you know the constant feedback that people are getting from judges is like oh i knew this was I knew this was a so-and-so, you know, bake or a so-and-so outfit or whatever. And, and you, like kind of, you can kind of watch people develop that signature style. Some people start out with it, like Luke. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, but like everybody sort of grows into their own sort of personal fingerprint of how they interact with the question and like you format and the choices that they make and like, their perspective right and so getting to see people i guess come out of their shells going back to our earlier theme but also grow their technical skills and grow in their confidence and like really kind of take control over the medium and feel confident sharing a message that's really cool and it's really inspiring so um if you're 
again, still listening to this and you're thinking about like, why would I have a public portfolio? Yeah, it does. It does help you get a next job. I 100% promise on that. But like you, you grow, you learn, you grow and it then you like maybe also have fun, <laughs> which Hopefully. isn't to say that I didn't like definitely sit around ignoring my family while I was building it out, especially at the beginning of my Tableau public profile. But hey, that happens with any job search, right? It happens with any hobby. Mm. E either either <laughs> or. It happens either or. But you know, all of this is why you won the community leader award. So just be just be aware of that. It's this <laughs> it's this level of enthusiasm and support and everything. That is why you won that. And you know what's also great? Our sponsor, Blue Apron. Blue Apron brings... I don't have a sponsorship. <laughs> I just knew that'd make you laugh. Um, I I really loved your your impa impassioned uh, description of watching people's personal journeys. And like you said, it's like you feel like you get to know people better by viewing their work and not mm -hmm. just understanding like sort of what interests them, both in terms of their topics, but the angles in which they they choose to follow things. So I think that's a great thing to be able to see other people learn and grow and also to be able to take delight in other people's success. I think that's one of the big challenges that people as a whole struggle with. Um, you see someone else win and it feels like that diminished you in some way, but being able to see other people's victories and celebrate them with them and take delight in that. Like you don't have, like everything doesn't have to be our success. When we see, you know, Sam and Simon get up there and they pull out a trick that no one even knew was possible. You know, it's like, you don't smack yourself in the head and be like, why wasn't that me? Like I should have thought it's like, instead you're like, that's so awesome. Like, I can't believe they thought of that. That's such a great trick. And also, now I can figure out how to do, to do that too. So it's like, I just, <laughs> I just learned something as a result of this. And that's, I think what's so beautiful about, you know, uh, journeys and community and everything. And with that, like, we have gone a while, as you've noted, and you're worried people <laughs> are still listening. So as, to that end, is there anything you'd like to shout out or promote as we wind things down? Um, well, obviously, I would like to shout out back to Viz Basics and my amazing co-lead on that project, Eric Balash. He had the idea when Makeover Monday was on a pause and as he was looking around the Tableau public landscape of community projects and was like, there's a lot of really amazing ones out here and they're all kind of hard. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I tried all of the different ones when I was sort of looking for my community project home and they were kind of hard. So like having something regular, consistent, approachable, bite-sized, um, like if you're looking for a place to start in building your Tableau public profile, check out Back to Viz Basics, no matter what your skill level is, because I promise you'll get something out of it. Even if you already know one or two ways to make bar charts, there are 15 at least. Um, you know, like even if you already know how to use color, like think about it again. And just like, uh, I, um, maybe this is telling you something about me. When I got to grad school, I have a math undergrad. When I got to grad school, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got to grad school, uh, and I was in a stats class. Somehow my math undergrad, I, I got it without taking any stats. What? So I, I know it, it's a whole thing. That's a longer story and we don't have to have it on a podcast, but, um, 
what I was going to say is like, I was worried that the class was too easy. And I like literally went to the teacher concerned that I wasn't going to sort of like get enough academic rigor out of a, a sort of like graduate overview stats course. And he looked at me and he was like, kid, do you want to be a statistician? Or do you want to like help people make hard decisions? And I was like, uh, the second thing. And he was like, okay, so you're in the right place. Take the easy A. Nice. So, and like that had never occurred to me as a student. <laughs> like you didn't have to do everything at maximum hard. So like if you want to build a portfolio and back to basics seems basic to you, take the easy A, knock them out, figure out what you want to do next while you're sort of like getting in a rhythm and getting in a habit with it. Um, and the community is amazing. Uh, post on Twitter, even though Twitter is weird and really awkward until you get used to it. Um, the people, the if you're if you're involved in this, the people are genuinely nice. Not everyone has the best day every day. Sometimes people are weird or sometimes things can be awkward. But for the most part, people are there because they're generally interested in having fun, learning and helping others. And isn't that any online community like I've no. I've been part of? Well, no, 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 not the genuine part, but like the, the bad days, you know, <laughs> every day is a bad day on Reddit. You know, I think there are some subs that are genuinely supportive and uplifting. I learned how to wear my curl hair curly from a subreddit all about how to deal with your curly hair. So there are some corners that are less toxic, but I, I think it's the exception. But yeah, the data fam community on Twitter is is phenomenal. And there's like people are like, oh, we could post on LinkedIn, right? Because, you know, very much thinking about this as a professional thing. And I'm like, yeah, LinkedIn is like the bulletin board in the hallway. And Twitter is like the water cooler. Yes. Like if you want to actually talk about what you're what you're doing, it's like that feeling when you get out of a hard test and everybody sort of stands around on the sidewalk and like, oh, what did you get for problem 16? Like, that's what it's like when we wrap up a community project on Twitter. You know, like, I, there's like, oh, yeah, high five. That's awesome. Or like, oh, yeah, that was really hard. Or, yeah, like, I think I might have messed up on that one a little. Um, other things to plug. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you get there. Say hey, and I'll, uh, I'll figure out who I can introduce you to. It's How will they find at, you on Twitter? At It's Elisa Davis. And that's E-L-I-S-A Davis. Um, and it's not hard to find me on the internet <laughs> because, uh, you know, going along with this sort of genuine thing and ease of branding, if we're being completely candid, and it's really hard to think up catchy nicknames. Like I literally once made up a username that was, I can't think of a nickname. Uh, so yeah, Elisa Davis. Oh, I have a website that I made after Tableau conference last year because I was like, ah, it seems like a lot of these data people have websites. So maybe I should have a website. So I have one, elisadavis.com. And mostly it's a landing page for uh, come talk to me someplace that I'm actually hanging out. But where um, are you from? New England. There we go. Also, <laughs> on a final note, 
We are, in fact, influencers. We're accepting free stuff. Like, I'm into standing desks. Uh, I don't know, computer monitors. Apparently, I need a better keyboard that easily switches between devices. Send me any of these things, and I'll say that I like them. Like, I've been trying mm. to sell out my entire life. So, like, why not now, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do you like? Pencils? I like pencils. Uh, the Dixon Ticonderoga is the Cadillac of pencils. And I know that's a dated reference in itself as Cadillacs aren't the Cadillacs of cars, but get over mm. it. We're rolling with this here. So it will go back to the Springsteen era, right? Right. So to yeah. that end, this has been an absolute delight. <laughs> Anyone that's made it to this point, um, remember, we do want the free stuff, but thank you for listening. <laughs> I mean, we'll I'll, I'll take t-shirts, uh, right? T-shirts. <laughs> I, I never wear a t-shirt I paid for, apparently. Like, that's my, my thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for having me uh, kind of bat next to, uh, you know, you went Benioff, Ate, Davis. So I'm, I'm honored to be in your lineup. I mean, you're you're right up there. Right. <laughs> and and I, I cut Will Perkins like who wanted to come back for the Ryan Ate episode. He's like, let me know when Ryan's. I'm like, no, Will, you're dead to me now. And he was out <laughs> and now you're in. So Aww. welcome. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Until next time. Until next time. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3, and you can get more if you choose, or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one you won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network. <laughs>